Good afternoon and welcome to All In, the Addicted Gamblers podcast. My name is Brian and I last placed a bet in July of 2014. And my name is Jeff and the last time I placed a bet was July of 2015. Jeff, I was gone all weekend. I was in Boston. I went to go see the family, my wife's family who is up there. And I was forced to watch the Patriots game up there, which you want to want some excitement, watch a Patriots game in Boston. Oh my golly gee. They go crazy over that stuff. See, as a Lions fan, Jeff, as a Lions fan, I know we're going to lose, which we did. It was exciting, but we lost. But I want to tell you a quick story about that. I brought it up because first quarter, my mother-in-law starts with, um, oh, my square. And she she had, at work, they do a, so they were doing um, squares through work. So she's calling out like the numbers the whole game. And I, I, I asked her about it. I said, oh, what do you guys do? She goes, oh, it's a $100 buy-in, but it's for the season. So you get one square for the season type of thing. And I'm nodding along, and I was like, you know what? This kind of talk doesn't bother me at all because I, you know, squares were fun, but it was never like, I'm going to win. I'm going to win it all on squares for football. No, I, I needed more immediate action than that. But it was fun because every time gambling gets brought up up there, and it's totally fine. I realize I'm fine with, with people talking about gambling around me and sports gambling. But if you said, hey, let's 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 go down to the casino, then then that is where I run into trouble. But General gambling talk, especially about sports, because I only gambled once in a while on sports, doing squares. It didn't really bother me as we watched the game that they were all talking about gambling. And they all gamble. And I think even my brother-in-law was on an app checking his, uh, oh, damn it, what's the name of the, it was fantasy, but now they do betting as well. One of the two. Yeah, like DraftKings. DraftKings, yeah, thank you, thank you. I think it was the other one. But anyway, I spent the weekend, I spent my Sunday listening to people talking about gambling, but. I was cool. Now, now you you had once said that you didn't know if your father-in-law remembered that you have a gambling problem or that you were correct. Uh, what about your mother-in-law? I'm I I think if you remind them both, they would be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But obviously, I don't want them to. I don't want them to feel that they need to edit themselves around me, you know? They can talk about gambling and stuff. Okay, but was your wife there? Yeah, yeah. Wife, um, uh, my wife's brother's family and some neighborhood friends of my wife's parents. And did your wife react at all? Like, give you some sort of, like, a look when her family members were talking about gambling? She was, the first time it happened, she was upstairs putting the baby to bed to um for a nap, so... She wasn't there for me to look at her, uh, but I did exchange a look with her another time when they were talking about it. But I just laugh, and it, and honestly, it doesn't bother me. But it just it's you forget I forget how much people talk about gambling around me. How was your weekend? You were in Austin. I was. I was in Austin uh, actually last week. I was home by Friday night, but it was great. We went uh, or not we, but I went to a conference. Uh, that was sponsored by the American Bar Association Con- uh, Conference no, Council Conference on Lawyers Assistance Programs. Lawyer Assistance Programs are like EAPs, you know, employee employee assistance programs, but for lawyers, their mission is to is to assist attorneys that have issues with uh, addiction, mental health. Uh, even you know transition, any kind of issues like that, and uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, to give a gambling addiction presentation. 
uh, along with someone else. It's the first time I think I presented with someone that was outside of where I work. Yeah, I did the presentation with Marty Paulson, who is the CEO of um, an inpatient gambling treatment facility called Project Turnabout. And I shared my story for half the time, and then she gave a presentation, more of a clinical presentation on treatment and prevention and things of that nature. Really turned out well. We got some good feedback, and uh, you know, I shared uh, my story, and uh, I was happy with the way it turned out. I, I always something always comes out differently each time I share my story. Either I disclose a little more or I have a new sort of thought about something looking back. And uh, this time it was really interesting. If you'd like to hear about it, I'll share it with you. Your story? Well, not the whole story, <laughs> just the, that portion of my story that that I, I think developed and I hadn't thought about before. It had to do with a very pivotal moment when I got together with my children to disclose my addiction and all of the horrible behaviors that went along with it. And it was a very traumatic, you know, meeting. And I, I've shared that part of it before. And I've also shared the fact that when I was finished, my son's comment to me was, thank God, I thought you were going to tell me you were dying, which, you know, I took that as a very compassionate response meaning you know I can I'm work with you're this. not dying so so you know I'm not going to abandon you because of your gambling. But when I was sharing that piece of the story it occurred to me that that I felt that that was the first time I felt loved in many years. And let me explain what I mean by that. My you know my wife loves me and had loved me so did my children you know, those closest in my family, even friends. But the way I look at it now is they loved a person who I they thought was me. They thought I was this person that I tried to portray myself as, but not as the real me, who was somebody that was an addict, somebody that, you know, did all these horrible things like lied, cheated, stole. So... When I thought about my son's comment to me, it was made after I disclosed the real me. So I'm looking back at it, and it really did feel like, wow, now he showed me that compassion and that love knowing who I was. And maybe that didn't go through his mind, but it certainly went through my mind that it was just, it was a really kind of, strangely wonderful experience that I felt that love from him, even him knowing uh, all of the horrible things that I did. So that was a pivotal moment of my recovery that I shared at the presentation. And, uh, and now I shared that with you and anybody that's listening. These are all law students or lawyers? These are um, lawyers judges usually the people that go to this conference are those that are in recovery typically from substance addiction so it's sort of a recovery conference for lawyers well yeah or they are actually um they work for 
these organizations, these lawyer assistance programs okay. that assist attorneys with addiction. And, you know, I find that usually people that work for, you know, that type of organization or agency, they, they have usually been, you know, touched by addiction either personally or through someone close. Because let's face it, those are the people that generally have a passion for that type of work, right? It's not, not because of the money. Yeah. Yeah. So it was good, and it was uh, it was great to see some people that I had known, and it was great to get some good feedback that wow, I didn't understand that gambling addiction was a real addiction. We still get that a lot, and uh, so it's, it's always interesting when people come to that realization. That's a funny one, especially now because you can be addicted to so many different things. That I mean. Just yeah, but, but you know, on the flip side of that, I, I tend to think that people throw around the word addiction without it having that sort of clinical significance. Like, oh wow, I'm like addicted to this show on Netflix. You know, now oh, really? is it really a clinical addictive? Well, yeah, I think that or? that's obviously just people. Just yeah, yeah. Okay. And did you, more importantly, obviously Jeff, than addiction and recovery, but did you eat any Texas barbecue while you were there? You know, it's it's funny that you should say that because I've been asked that by a few people. Because we're all hungry. And, well, <laughs> I have to be honest. I, you know, um, I really didn't. I have this thing about going to a restaurant by myself that I just don't like to do it. And I tend to, like, stay around the hotel. In fact, I think you know, at one point I was texting with you. We were going to almost do a podcast. Yeah. And I was telling you I was sitting at the bar of the hotel watching the Eagles-Packers game and having my dinner, which consisted of buffalo wings and beer. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't really, um, you know, engage in the whole food culture of, of that part of uh, Texas, which which is a shame. But I don't know. Do, do, you, do you like sitting alone at a restaurant? I like sitting yeah. alone anywhere. I'm, I'm, I'm very much, I always have been a good loner. Not that I don't want people around, but just that I enjoy going places myself, sitting down and either engaging with new people or even not just sitting there and enjoying the atmosphere. So I, but of course I'd, I'd be sitting at the bar because that's where you go when you're by yourself. You can't, it's hard to go to a restaurant and get a table. I have done that before when I've been out of town. And it is a little weirder when you're at a table because you don't get the normal interact. You get the waitress every now and then, but or the waiter or yeah. the server, whatever we're calling. Yeah, but I also can see it. I remember one day I started going to movies alone just because, you know, middle of the day, you have the day off or something. I want to go see a movie. I never used to do that. And then one day I started doing it and I thought, this is the way to do it. You just go in there no, by yourself, see that, the movie you want to yeah, see. Because I mean, you you're not mind. talking to anybody during the movie anyway. Right, right, right. I don't mind that. I think it's like this thing in my head where like people are looking at me and saying, oh, he's alone. Like, now that is that? a thought I have never once had. <laughs> well, that's true. But I also I'm got, I'm a little bit, you know, I got married at 35, so it was pretty easy to be alone for a long time and not mind. Yeah. And also maybe I've exhausted my aloneness uh, sitting in front of a slot machine for so many that's years. That's also true. I, you know. You could be alone somewhere and then get excited about being alone and want to go be alone in front of the slot machine. So I completely get that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, and plus it was hot as hell, and I stayed at 
a hotel that was not the same ho hotel that the conference was at. In fact, this is a funny story. And, and I shared this at the beginning of my presentation. The, the conference hotel, they, want, they were charging like almost $300 a night. I found a Sheraton hotel that was a few blocks away. It was more like six blocks away um, for less than half that. And I stay at, you know, now that Marriott and Sheraton are, the, are in the same, like, group. Yeah. So I guess I stayed in enough places going to conferences where I'm, like, uh, a silver member, whatever the hell you call it. So I check into the Sheraton Hotel when I get to Austin and, uh, you know, get my room and all that. And, uh, and the woman behind the desk says, oh, uh, you're an elite member. So what we're giving all of our elite members, and she hands me a scratch-off saying you can scratch it off and it will tell you what gift you're entitled to. And I like froze for a minute and I um, said, oh, thank you. And then I was going to lift it from the desk that she put it on and put it in my pocket. But then she gave me a penny. It was almost like waiting until I scratched it off. And again, I hesitated and I said, I think I'm going to uh, do this up in the room. And I put it in my pocket and I ripped it up. Not again, just like you said with triggers. It's not because that would have triggered. Right. But that's the last thing I want to do. I'm here to give a right. uh, presentation on gambling and I get a fucking scratch off. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> it, ended up, it ended up actually being a good introduction to my presentation and it you know, <laughs> caused a few people to chuckle. But, That's good. Uh, it also shows that gambling is just not thought of as an addiction. Would when you check into a hotel, would when anybody give you a bottle of wine? Maybe because of it. They do. Uh, no, no, no. They do. As, as okay. <laughs> oh God, I've oh yeah, they Jeff. Do. I've worked at four different hotels. They give you bottles of wine. Um, yeah. yeah, as gifts, right, as as oh, I'm sorry, we messed up. As anything, here's a bottle of wine. And then, of course, you do get the person who says, I don't drink. And then you go, ah, oh, this is awkward. Scratch-offs, uh, yeah, I think I'd be the only one thinking about that. Um, you know, I was at my brother-in-law's house, and right on the counter there were a couple of scratch-offs. And I saw him from a distance. I was like, I'm not even going to go walk by and look. He had obviously already scratched him. But always gambling talk. And it, again, it's it's okay. I understand that people can gamble. I, I have never been against gambling. And I don't think that you are against gambling. But we're both for recovery, yeah. and we want people to be able – to have every bit of access to recovery that they need if they realize that they have a gambling problem. But we're never going to win a war on gambling. I see a lot of people on Twitter like, gambling is all, and we can't do it. It's, it's going to exist, and I I'm not going to fight that battle. I'll fight a battle of perhaps maybe, you know, and, and many other people do this and do it much better than we do, but the, the, the assault on children in gambling seems to be pretty high up there at this moment. Um, whether it's in video games or even just being advertised to. And even today, um, I'm just going to say her name because I should attribute this to her Twitter, but Samantha Thomas on Twitter, who's down in Australia, was mentioning that the NBA is going to have William Hill advertisements on their website yeah. in Australia. And she kind of said, hey, NBA, maybe we could talk about this. Maybe you don't want to advertise gambling to children down here in Australia. It's really bad. So uh, I, I, I think things like that are important to fight for, but Gambling in general, I think it's, I mean, it's, it's great for the people who can do it and it doesn't cause their life to be miserable and unmanageable. But for the rest of us, that's why we do this podcast. Yeah, it's, you know, with, you mentioned children and we're, we're soon going to be 
you know, in the holiday season, and we always, and our gambling councils, as many other gambling councils uh, do, we always have this awareness-raising effort around Christmas time that giving children um, scratch-offs in their Christmas stockings. I've gotten them before. Are probably not a good thing to do. I've given them before. And, well, I hope you've you've uh, taken a look at that and and, and maybe. Realize that it's probably not a good thing to do. Oh, I'm not. I'm obviously not going to do it anymore. Right, <laughs> I haven't right. done it in some time, but I can. It is a good. I mean, at the time, it was an easy gift to do for people because it oh, got absolutely. people excited and got me excited. I think, yeah, I think one of the problems or issues I have with it is that it normalizes it too much. You know what I mean? Oh, giving it, just, it as the gift. It normalizes gambling. But it, but again, I don't want to tell people who don't have an issue with gambling. You guys really shouldn't be doing that because we have an issue but, with gambling. No, no, no. But I'm talking about with children. I'm not talking about giving your oh, I see. adult friends. I'm talking about giving like it. Giving, oh, specifically children. kids. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't follow yeah. you at first. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, that's bad. But for the kids, it's fun. I mean, when I discovered gambling when I was a youth, uh, it was pretty exciting to me. So, obviously. Anything else from Austin? No, but uh, interestingly, I came back Friday night and then Saturday – um, I had to uh, to go to a, an event. It was a an event in Delaware uh, celebrating um, our new mentors in Veterans Treatment Court, and I was asked to attend and uh, provide a little bit of information to the new mentors about gambling addiction and especially the fact that veterans are at a higher risk of developing gambling addiction than in the general population. And two of the judges that I know were there, and uh, it was good. And uh, I, uh, I gave my little, my little talk. And, and again, it was a situation where I had several people come up to me afterwards and said, well, thanks. I learned a lot because I hadn't really thought about gambling in the context of addiction and uh, in, in the context of the significant harm it, it can cause some people. And, uh, you know, getting that kind of feedback is, uh, you know, is a measure of success uh, in my book. And, you know, I don't, I'm not looking for people to say, oh, you did a wonderful job or we enjoyed how you presented. I want people to say to me, wow, I've learned something about gambling that I hadn't thought about before, and now it'll be on my radar. Uh, even better than that, some people will say, oh, I know somebody that has a problem, and I didn't realize that there are opportunities uh, to get them help or treatment and so on and so forth. So, you know, that's that's what we do, and uh, turned out really well. Well, good. So thanks for asking. Yeah, yeah my pleasure. I'll be sure to review that later so I can respond properly. Uh, I had to pee, and then the UPS guy came outside. <laughs> and usually, oh, Jeff, here we go. Usually when the UPS man comes, that's when you'd hear barking. Oh. Oh. So, oh, Jeff, yeah. went to Boston, Brian. came back from Boston, and my wife and I, I've uh, been with my wife for four years now. I've known my wife for four years, been together roughly since. And she has had for 11 years now, almost 11 years, she got the, the dog uh, at the end of October, October 26th, actually. 
Um, so we're coming upon 11 years. They've been together. My, my, my wife's little puggle. And after, you know, four years together, my little baby, my little puppy passed away yesterday. Um, about two weeks ago, she, you know, I, I'm home every day with the baby and with the dog and the dog's name is Wednesday. She's a puggle. If you don't know what a puggle is, just Google it. You'll see how cute they are. Um, I'll try to put a picture up, uh, for this podcast. Our, our, our baby, our little baby Wednesday, two weeks ago, seemed like she hurt her back. So we took her to the vet because she was walking very gingerly all of a sudden, just out of the blue, took her to the vet. The vet said, oh, we think she injured her back. You know, they, they push on the dog and basically say, oh, yeah, this getting pain in the back. And maybe that had something to do with it. Maybe it didn't. But yesterday morning, the dog was not in great shape. She was breathing very labored. And um, we took her to our normal vet. We got a quick appointment, took her to our normal vet. Uh, they said, you need to go over to the ER, to the veterinary ER, which in the area we're in, we probably have three or four within 45 minutes. So we, we, we took her over and immediately now my wife came to the veterinary clinic with me and I also had the baby and then she had to go to work and she delayed, she's a doctor. So she, she kind of needs to get to work. So she had to go to work and she took the first hour off so she could come to the first vet with me to find out what's, what's wrong with this, um, dog. And then she had to go to work. So I took the baby and, and the dog to the emergency vet. And as soon as I walk in, now I, I park the car and I run in with the dog is in her little dog bed. She's a 25 pound dog. She's not a huge dog. You'll see it if you, you look up a puggle. But uh, I, I go in with the dog in her dog bed and they immediately, I hear someone comes from the back and says, oh, is this Wednesday? Oh, okay, we're going to need stabilization, blah, 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 and uh, CPR right away. And I'm like, I thought I was coming over here to stabilize her because when the vet sent us over, she said, well, go over there because you, you got to get fluids in her stabilizer and, and this breathing isn't great. Um, but her, her blood platelets were low and, and blood cells, the red blood cells were low as well. So basically... From everything that's happened, we think that she had cancer and a tumor because then she had fluid in her belly, which was blood. So they think she also had fluid around her heart, and they think that was blood as well. So maybe a mass on her heart, and it just compressed her heart, and she couldn't breathe. And, I mean, shortly thereafter, I brought her there, and I had the baby with me too. I had to call my wife and say, they're going to – she's – she's going to die, and you need to come over here right away, which is the worst phone call to make to my wife because my wife – loves this dog my wife um my wife had and to some degree still has uh suffered from depression you know in her in her years and the dog when she got the dog it really brought a bright shiny light into her life and this little puggle wiggled her butt all the time you probably heard her in the background on podcasts that I'm, I'm, i know she's interrupted several of them she was such a sweet little dog and it was so sad and i cried my eyes out yesterday I actually oh. said to my wife, I said, I think I cried more today than I did the day my dad died. And they both died very similarly in that it was a surprise and it just sort of happened all of a sudden and we were left in shock and you don't know what the hell is going on. Uh, but, yeah. you know, a lot of people said would say don't compare a dog to a human. But uh, my wife has always said that this dog thinks she is a, a person. We have plenty of pictures. She would sit at our table the dining room table. Now she got into her fair share of mischief. She all we had to put the garbage can outside every time we left because she would knock it over and eat anything in it. Right. Uh, she would always steal food off your plate. 
she I mean she was a little dog in that respect where she would do that stuff but she was so sweet she slept in our bed every single night last night was weird oh, man. and my poor wife she is so sad about it and I I completely understand I'm really sad about it she was a just a beautiful beautiful dog and anybody who owns a dog knows how we feel so oh absolutely they're they're a part of your family and I would I would say to anybody that says you can't compare to a dog to a human they're probably don't have any dogs and I because and they are part of the family and it's 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 very very sad yeah very and it, sad. It, it, this is my saddest I've had some pets and this is the saddest one uh you know when I was a kid I remember my parents took our cat when I was 13 14 they took our cat to the vet and then all of a sudden they brought it back and I said what are you doing here already and they said uh the cat died on the way down there the cat's name was lucky and the cat was like freaking out and then just had a heart attack or something on the way there and so they brought it back. And I remember shedding a tear when I was, you know, 13. Our little cat died. Now, we had a dog at the same time named Scruffy, a little mutt. And that mutt, when I went away to college my first year, when I discovered gambling in casinos, uh, I came home one weekend to do laundry. And there was a note on the counter from my parents. They had gone up north for the weekend, you know, watch the leaves change. They always did that sort of thing. Probably to go to, probably go to the casino I used to go to up north and gamble. Because uh, my dad was a gambler. He, I mean, not a big gambler, but he liked to go and sit and play the slots. Now, what they did different from you and I is that they would do 60 bucks and leave. Yeah. I, I, I went to my parents' house to do laundry when I was in college. There's a note, you know, that said, hey, Brian, we're out of town. There's uh, food in the fridge. There is detergent on top of the washer for your laundry. Uh, and Scruffy is buried out back. Sorry, she died a little while ago and we didn't tell you. <laughs> No way. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I paraphrase that part. It was something along the lines of, and you don't see Scruffy because she died a little while ago and we buried her up back. Something like that. Wait, that's it. <laughs> now, that's I had... That's a bit harsh. I mean, I hadn't seen Scruffy in two months, three... I don't know. Well, I mean, but still... Still harsh, but when I when I left home for college, I mean, Scruffy was... She was pooping everywhere. She, she was real thin. It was clear that she... But uh, my dad really loved that dog because that dog would walk with my dad every day. You know, he would be walking because he had some heart issues. But it was it it was just really sad yesterday. I mean, the little yeah. dog because we had to, we came home and the house is just empty. You know, yeah. you don't hear the jingle jingle. You don't have that dog jumping up and down on you. And the thing, the only the thing, I mean, it does it does make me. I'm sad that she died, but I'm not devastated because she had a good life. And my wife treated her better than any dog I've ever seen anywhere. Um, my wife bought a car specifically for the dog so the dog could see out all the windows and walk around. My wife's furniture is for the dog. Wait, wait a minute. The, the dog drove? When, my wife would take the dog all the time when she would go back home to Boston, wherever she was. She's lived all over since she was 18, so wherever she was, she would take the dog. Uh, I mean, she got the dog 11 years ago, so she wasn't 18 then, but 26, I think. Did, did the dog go to Boston with you? All the time. No, not this weekend. So this weekend, the dog stayed with someone, and we used Rover.com, which is pretty great. The, we, she stayed with them many times, this, this couple. They're very nice. They always have dogs, um, and they sent us pictures, and Wednesday was doing fine. Uh, Wednesday was, her tail was wagging the day before her tail was wagging. We went to go pick her up. She was fine the next morning. Now, obviously she wasn't fine. She obviously had these, these issues, right? Our little Wednesday passed away yesterday. And you asked me once before on this podcast, well, what if you get sad again? Do you think you'll want to gamble? Talking about, you know, when I gambled when my dad died and I was super sad yesterday. I'm still really sad about it. Um, and I'll be sad about it for a while. And maybe if, if it was 
different. If it was the dog and I, and we were just the only two and that dog left me, I could, I could totally see that I would go and gamble. I could see that in a second. But the dog and I and the baby and the wife, I, I, there's no reason to go gamble to secure my sadness. Uh, so I will say today, though, um, I put usually I put the baby to bed because the baby's taking a nap right now while Jeff and I podcast. And usually when I do that, I come back downstairs and I hang out with the dog because the dog is awake and the dog says, oh, you're not with the baby anymore. You have to remember, too, this dog never had competition. We never owned other pets. My wife never owned other pets. And then we had a baby. So the last six months of this poor dog's life, we had the baby. I mean, we tried to show it a lot of love, but the, the dog does get second to the baby. It's just the way it goes. I remember that you, you telling me when you first came into the life of your wife and the dog that uh, it took a little bit of... Uh, the dog jumped all over me the first time I met it on the couch at my friend's house. And I said, boy, you just let your dog go around anywhere, huh? And I was like, this dog just... Gets all over it, but now I would kill for that dog to be all over me again. I know, I know. Now, I will say this. I don't. You tell me if this makes me weird or not. But I told her we should go take the dog to a taxidermist and, and get it stuffed. Okay, yeah, yeah that does. That but makes you weird. Here's, here's why. When you, if I can get a picture up, I will. But when you see the dog and the joy that is in that dog's face, how could you take that away? I would want to see that all the time. My wife does not. She told me. Uh, that so would be, that would be so difficult to oh. see the dog. I mean, I've I've had. I understand that. She said that, that, and I understand that. Took, that took the dog the dog's ashes and put it in a vase and on top of the mantle. But that's pretty much the extent of preservation that I would uh, consider. Yeah. And we're getting, we're getting the dog cremated so my wife can have its ashes. Uh, you have to, oh, I, okay. I, I don't know how to describe this any better than that dog was my wife's world for the last 11 yeah. years. I mean, I would complain sometimes about the dog and she'd say, that's tough. This The dog gets what the dog wants. So yeah. it was, it, it is really sad. Um, we are, my wife is getting, um, an autopsy done, which I know sounds crazy for a dog to some people, but we just really want to know if it was the cancer. Is it, is it something that has to be done right away? Yeah, actually we had to, we, yeah. we called and they said, Oh gosh, you know, we only had about another hour before this was not available because they put her in the freezer. But again, it's the, <laughs> all right, all right. yeah, they did, uh, gave us a little clay print of her paw. And, and everybody at the emergency vet was wonderful. I tell you what, though, that is a weird now, twice now. I mean, when my dad died, I, I saw his naked dead body uh, being CPR'd. And now I go in and I see the dog's body being CPR'd. And it's just bad images. You know, that image made me cry a bunch yesterday because you see the dog. And they even – my wife works 15 minutes from where the vet is, the emergency vet. And I, I begged them. I just said, please, like she's had this dog for love. Just keep her alive until my wife gets here. She's on her way. And so that's what they were doing. They were trying to keep her going so my wife could say goodbye. And that's very nice of them. And then did she have to return to work? No, God, no. No, I've been, oh, I, 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 this, I, no, everybody at work knows how much she loves her dog. She did not return to work. She went back to work today, but. Okay. Uh, so. Thanks for listening. Well, <laughs> but yeah, well, our poor well, little Poggle died. Keep please, keep my wife convey, in your thoughts for a day. Yeah. Please convey uh, my deepest sympathy to her. I will. I Thank to you. you, Brian. I, I, I love that little dog. I miss that dog. 
The dog would be everywhere right now. She'd be on my lap while we did this or something. I, you know, it's just too bad. But I'm not going to gamble because of it. But I do miss my little puggle Wednesday. And uh, and because you're not gambling, would it be fair to say that you experience these emotions that would otherwise maybe suppressed or you may be distracted by gambling if you had suffered the same type of loss? I don't know. Um, I, like I said, I mean, if, if it was just the two of us, that would make me want to gamble because then you're alone and you go, what do I do now? So th think of all the people, Jeff, who have animals who do gamble and are just them and the animal. And generally, I'm talking about older people. Uh, I, 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 I get it. Yeah. I get it. It's, and, right. And, and, pr and they probably, if it's just them and the animal, there's probably a good chance that that animal has been neglected at some level. Hey, you know, I could even say that sometimes when I should have gone home to let out the dog, in the middle of the day and decided to go to the casino instead and said, rationalized and said, oh, the dog could wait a few more hours. I mean, that's horrible, but uh, it's the truth. And that's how your mind works, my mind. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> the dog will survive. I got to yeah. gamble. Yeah. Well, I'll end this podcast on a happy note. Um, well, a weirdly happy note, a, 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 a celebratory note. Uh, my mother, who lives down in Florida, in the Sarasota area, there was a vet, uh, an older gentleman, a vet who had passed away and had no family, and they put it in the newspaper. And maybe you've seen it; it's been all over social media lately. Uh, this vet passed away, I, I, and I they were they and somebody had posted it in the news, you know, because it was in the newspaper, said no, no family. Um, my mom and her neighbor went to the funeral because my wife sent them the link for that, and my mom said we're gonna go. My mom said that the um, the Patriot Guard, which if you're unfamiliar with the Patriot Guard, what they will do is go to service people's funerals, uh, people who served in the armed forces that go to their funerals, um, you know, if nobody else goes or they'll just go to, to celebrate them. They're, they're on motorcycles. They all wear leather vests. But it's it's sort of a, you know, they'll when a soldier comes back and no one's there to greet it, they'll go greet it. It's a, it's a wonderful organization. I don't know too much about it, but they came to my father's funeral, the Patriot Guard, because my dad was a Vietnam vet, and they said they, they really enjoyed doing the Vietnam veterans' funerals because when soldiers came home from Vietnam, they weren't really given a warm welcome like everybody is today. So the Patriot Guard came for that. And so I have video of them at my dad's funeral, which is really cool because all the motorcycles drive by. Those people are wonderful. If you know anybody who serves in the Patriot Guard, serves is a part of the Patriot Guard and does this, um, just wonderful people. So they were there. My mom went. So it was really nice. She said there were over a thousand people there. Yeah, I heard there were like two thousand people. Yeah, I, I did hear it in the news. But you know, interesting. I don't know if it was the Patriot Guard or not, but um, there certainly was somebody at my father's funeral. My father was a World War II vet, and they yeah, and they came and uh, they draped his casket with the American flag and they presented it to my mother. And she still has it. It's it's a. I didn't even know that things like that existed. Yeah, it's a it's, it's a like one, a private it's biker it's a group that they do uh, this, and and it's made up of vets and non-vets. I mean, the the guy who led it at my father's funeral was not a vet, but he just really appreciated what they do, and so he yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. That's, what yeah, did your I, father do in World War Two? He was stationed in uh, Africa and uh, no kidding. England and. 
Yeah, and uh, and Palestine. You have pictures? Uh, some. In fact, I, I only have. A, I have. I have some too, and I, I'm really curious. I have a book of my grandparents in my grandfather's in World War II, um, and I really just want to sit and go through all those pictures. I'd love to see your dad. I love pictures from from back then in World War. I'll, I'll tell you what you'd really like, and I'll share this with you. My dad has pictures that he took of Bob Hope when he no was kidding. performing for. Them back in this well, that's was, wild. What like in their early 1940s? That's wild. That's yep. really nice. It's nice, you know. It's funny. I I've been angry for months. I think. I think my natural state is anger, and I don't. It just my like I've just been angry. You know, you watch the news, you just get pissed off. You're on Twitter, you just get pissed off at all the stuff you see, and I just it keeps me going every day. I'm like, man, I'm angry. So she she dies yesterday, and I get home I'm like. I'm not angry at all. I mean, I'm super sad. And then today I thought, boy, I just feel sort of, I want to do some stuff. I want to do some good. I don't know what good, but we'll start with this podcast. This podcast is good. People listen to it because they have gambling addictions. And Jeff, you and I talk about gambling addictions so that way they can have someone to listen to about it. So I think we're doing good. Brian, I think you just described the essence of recovery. Good. And thank you for uh, taking me with you on this journey. Yeah. Thanks for listening about my dog, little baby. Poor she baby. was 11. She had a good She had a good run. Well, uh, Jeff, I will talk to you. Today is Thursday, October 3rd. I will talk to you on Sunday, October 6th for our brand new – I'm going to say it out loud right here so we're held to it, buddy. For our brand new Sunday night podcast session, we're going to do it weekly. We're going to have information. We're going to put ourselves through the rigor, ringer, rigor. I don't know. That Whatever too. that old timey saying is. Ringer. Ringer. Mm-hmm. The rigors of being in a ringer. Uh, the rigors of ringers. Yes. And coming up on the podcast, Jeff, we have, we, I believe, now I have a few people lined up for the UK, but we have some people lined up for Australia as well, because I'd like to deep dive more into the Australia problem gambling. So those of you in Australia, please email me at leestreetpod at gmail.com. That is L-E-E street pod, P-O-D at gmail.com. So we could set up a time for an interview to be on the podcast and tell us your story. Tell us what's going down in Australia these days, because we've done a couple of interviews already and it, Seems a lot worse than here in the U.S., much like the U.K. seems a lot worse. And did you see recently um, a story oh, – crap, was it Uganda about gambling addictions in Uganda? Good Lord, man. We've got it better than we thought over here, but it's rough over there. Yeah. Well, it, it's – the sad part of – one of the sad things about gambling is that it gives people a false sense of – hope that they could change their um, particular economic situation by gambling. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that the, that the less advantaged suffer the most. Yeah. Actually, I just saw an article this morning that said more IRS audits are done on the poor because it costs too much to do it on the rich because the rich have lawyers and the rich can litigate. So Wow. So don't gamble, anybody, if you can't. And try to avoid getting audited. Well, Jeff, 
I will talk to you on Sunday. I hope uh, only joyous news comes out of your mouth in, in the coming months and years. You know, I think you and I, with this podcast and our goals with it and goals beyond this, we could create some of that joy. Absolutely. All right. We certainly managed to uh, have a pro protracted end of this podcast, so we're on the right track. <laughs> no, it's going to be 30 minutes. It's 45. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.